0: Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can now uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do und- Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show.
1: Fresh is the
2: I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I
3: keep it fresher and fresh, but you already know. You suckers is me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though we see your kicks and we laugh and yellin' what it goes. you see me shinin' like a suit on puppy you know my grind and shit is too strong buddy that's why the dude call money I be stuntin' like it's nothin' at all cause it's nothin' to me it's probably somethin' to y'all tryin' to smoke like me to come and fuck with your dog got a closet full of
2: kicks you can't and a brush in the freshest. You can tell it's in my acting bitch you feed the way I'm ripping. Yes, I do the shit to death. Until I'm running out of breath, I tell somebody cut a jeopardy the way you know it's fresh, either way you know it's fresh. Fresh, we fresh. Fresh fresh. Fresh God guy, let me fresh. Fresh.
1: Fresh
0: fresh. Welcome to the Fresh is the Word Podcast, a podcast about music, pro wrestling, and MMA. I'm your host, K fresh and like always, we have a great show for you. But before we get into all that, just want to remind you how you can support the podcast. You can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and just share any links that you see on the website on any of your social media. There's also a link at the top of the website that says Support the Podcast. If you click on that, there is a PayPal link that you can donate to. And there's also an Amazon link that you can use anytime you want to make any purchases on Amazon. Use that link. It doesn't change anything on your end, but it does uh, shoot some commission our way. And you can also follow Fresh of the Word on Twitter and Instagram at Fresh of the Word 1. That's Fresh of the Word, the number one. And then on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fresh of the Podcast. And you can also subscribe and follow Fresh of the Word on a slew of platforms. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, Google Play, and TuneIn. Just go to any of those uh, websites, search Fresh of the Word. podcast will come up. Click subscribe, follow, whatever the the verbiage is on that website. You can also leave comments, ratings, five stars. That would be great. And that would definitely help out the podcast. Okay, now on to the show. Uh, Announcement before uh, before I introduce the guest. Uh, After this episode, I'm going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus to sort of refresh the word so of speak, recharge my batteries. Uh, maybe for only like a month or two. Uh, definitely, just feeling a little burnt out, a little bit in a rut. So I need to step away from the podcast for a minute and take care of a few things. Sort of, you know, freshen up my mind a little bit. Definitely will be back uh, in the fall with uh, definitely some uh, interesting, uh, you know, guests and whatnot. And I'm probably going to tinker with the the format of the the podcast a little bit. Uh, I kind of want to, in regards to the discussion portion, uh, I kind of want to, you know, change that up a little bit. Where me and V-Styles sort of just pick a topic. It can be something uh, uh, going on recent, maybe in the past. And just sort of dissect it a little bit more instead of just, you know, going through and talking about a slew of different topics in the world of music, pro wrestling, and MMA. I kind of want to just deep dive for a little bit on just one topic each week. And I'll try to make it relatable to something, you know, relevant today. Maybe something going on in the UFC or in pro wrestling. But, like, you know, pick one wrestler, one fighter, one album, whatever. Something and just kind of deep dive on it each week to make it a little bit more, you know, not so time sensitive, a little bit more timeless. each one of these episodes, so that's definitely, so, uh, i probably be back in the next month or two with new episodes, um, I definitely have some uh, interviews that are in the works that are kind of floating out there that I'm trying to get done, they're going to have some really interesting topics also, uh, so, uh, just, you know, be on the lookout, uh, Make sure you pay attention to all the social media because that'll be where all the news is from the upcoming episodes. Okay, now on to this week's show. Uh, our guest is a Washington State based alternative rock band, Night Argent. They have a new EP out. It is called The Fear. It's really, really dope. Uh, it came out um, this past July on Outer Loop Records. And I was able to Talked with three of the four members of the band: uh, their lead vocalist Chase, their um, Shane, who's on keys, guitar, and drums, and Evan, their bassist. And we uh, talked about uh, you know how the band got together, how it started, and we talked about the new album and how it sort of you know how they've gotten better since their um, their first EP. This is their sophomore EP, and it's really really dope. I really enjoyed. You know, I feel like this is a band that you should be aware of and look out for for you know big things in the future so it was definitely cool to uh speak with night argent for this episode of the podcast and also afterwards V styles will join in on the podcast as we recap the spectacle the biggest fight of the century the conor mcgregor versus floyd mayweather fight this past weekend it was actually a pretty fun match. We, uh, you know, we kind of uh, go back and sort of break down what happened in the fight, our initial reactions compared to our reactions now that we have a few days removed from it. Uh, so we definitely get into that and what we think, you know, is next for Conor McGregor and, and in the world of the UFC uh, after this, uh, this big spectacle of a fight that happened. It's over it was a fun ride but it's over so hopefully we can get back to regularly scheduled programming in the world of MMA and boxing <laughs> so let's get to the interview with Night Argent first off um go ahead and introduce yourselves oh, I'm
4: Chase I'm the vocalist my name's Evan I'm the bass player uh, I'm Shane and I'm Monkees
0: all right all right all right so uh just recently, you guys put out a new EP, "The Fear," uh, on uh, our Outer Loop Records. It's a really dope uh, EP. Really enjoy it. Uh, you know, what was the uh, sort of your um, the mindset of the band going into making this record?
2: Well, uh, this is actually the first record we worked with uh, some outside producers and co-writers, and um, we had the opportunity to work with uh, John Feldman. So when we were starting to work on this record. The first thing we did was go down to LA to his studio and we, we didn't really know what to expect. Um, but it was, uh, it was a really, you know, kind of eye-opening experience. We've been, a uh, do it yourself band for a while and we did all our own production recording. And uh, it was kind of cool to get some outside input and influence. Um, and we ended up, you know, using three of the songs we worked on with John for the record and then, uh, Worked with another producer, Stephen Solomon, on uh, one of the tracks, and then the other two we we did ourselves.
0: Great working with uh, John on this record. You know what? What was sort of like the things that you learned? You know what did what did he he bring out of you guys?
1: Oh man, the work ethic those guys put in is unreal. I had no idea up until that point, like the like bar level. You know, for production and stuff, those guys crank out songs. <laughs> high quality so fast no it's ridiculous they really do like one two songs a day like from from written to produced and like done you know um we would get there at like eight in the morning nine in the morning and we'd be there until sometimes like one two in the morning you know but we at the end of the day usually we had you know at least one solid song written yeah you know and a demo down um so that was unreal to me.
0: Nice. When, you know, working with John or Steven, you know, what was sort of their uh, method of operation working with you guys? You know, what did, what was their sort of, you know, wh- f- coming from their point of view, you know, how did they sort of approach working with you guys?
2: Well, I think the, the number one thing is, you know, when you're when you're working with, um, you know, a producer or a co-writer is you have to keep in mind, you know, who is the... Uh, the person singing this who is the person performing this you know you don't want to do something that doesn't fit in with their sound and their vibe uh so they they definitely uh took the time to kind of talk with us get to know us and try to help add their own perspective on our voice rather than fo- forcing their voice upon us right
0: right how did it happen that you guys uh you know ended up working with these guys
4: Uh, Well, actually, that uh, that was a result of uh, us winning the Ernie Ball Battle of the Bands uh, a couple years back. Uh, One of the prizes was uh, a three-song package with Mr. John Feldman himself, who was one of the judges there. So that's, I mean, it was something that uh, we tried to schedule multiple times before, but whenever they were free, we were busy. Whenever we were free, they were busy. It took a long time to, to get to the point where we were actually both open at the same time, but it actually worked out for the best because it gave us time to on our old EP after we released it and then uh, go down and just kind of start fresh going with this new mentality of our 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 other EP is done it's, it's been out for a while let's go in let's try something different and whatever however they want to do things let's just let's be open to it and and give it a go
2: yeah, yeah and uh working with Steven it was a it was just a started out as a co-writing session um you know with a few other songwriters and uh they really really like the band stuff so they uh you know they wanted to write a song uh with us for the band, which was pretty cool so All
0: right, you guys are from uh washington state what part what part of the state are you from
1: dry cities so southeastern washington yeah yeah the driest corner
0: yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. how long ha- how long has this band been together
1: uh like now six
2: five six years now uh, yeah
0: Right. Well, was
1: the
2: original creation.
0: Five. Yeah,
2: yeah. But we that was, but then we became Night Argent right uh, two three three years ago. Three, exactly yeah, right. yeah. Uh, we we were playing. Uh, you know, there were some other members of the band, and um, you know, we were trying to find our our sound and style. But we became Night Argent about yeah three four years ago.
0: Cool. What were you, what were you guys doing before you know this band you know came together you know and why did this band come together?
1: Uh, We were doing Katy Perry covers (laughs) for (laughs) three (laughs) months at a time, you know.
0: Yeah,
2: no, I mean, you know, when we first started playing together, it was, you know, trying to find our sound. And prior to that, we were all in different musical groups and um, Yeah. Uh, Shane and I uh, have been friends since, like, middle school. We've done music together, you know ever since started doing music, um, and we met Evan through a, a guitar player um, that was playing with us, and Zach, you know, we all went to, uh, we all went to the same high school, but at different times, and we, we didn't meet each other in high school necessarily, but um, we're all from the same area, we know the same people. I know who Chase was in high school, but he was like everybody's idol in
0: high school, so. Oh That's really? Because I wasn't in an high.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that wasn't
0: the case. Wait, wait, why was he everybody's idol? I
1: mean, because he's just so talented, you know. Like, I mean, in high school you knew who Chase Manhattan was. You know, Thompson.
0: <laughs> like, uh, your high school—the area you guys kind of grew up in. What kind of area was this? You know, you know, and how did that sort of. Uh, make you guys want to, like, you know, do music? The
2: the one thing I'd say about this area is it's always been very supportive of the arts and uh, the creative uh, side of things. Um, you know, it's... Uh, there's a lot of engineers here. I think 50% of the jobs here are engineer jobs uh, because of the Hanford site. Um, yeah, I can't remember what it was, but... Um, large uh, engineering community and I think a lot of the engineers kids uh, you know always became very creative and (laughs) that's a way to uh, fuck that whole engineering uh, side of things but no it's always been very supportive of the arts. Uh, That's a good theory. Yeah all of us uh, were heavily involved with high school music programs and um, you know as far as you know rock bands go though it's you know, there's not a there's not a huge scene here, which has been interesting. Um, you know, the, it, there was a huge uh, grunge and heavy metal push, yeah. you know, 90s and early 2000s, but you know, there hasn't been much of a scene uh, lately. But uh, you know, it's one of those things; it kind of ebbs and flows. And you know, we're 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 having a we're having fun playing here and uh, meeting other musicians. Plenty of Jack Johnsons. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when um when you guys are first, you know, start farming this band, you know, what was what's what was some of the first things that you did? What were some of the first venues that you played in your home area? Did you guys even play in your home area to begin with?
1: Yeah, there used to be this um, this dive bar called Ray's Golden Lion that was that was like the place to play. Okay. If you were a band and um uh since then it's been shut down owner passed away really kind of sad but we used to play there a bunch um pretty much everybody played there a bunch that was a good one trying to think of other ones we played here well
2: Well, the very first gig we played as a band oh uh tony roma's which is an italian restaurant (laughs) oh it's ribs yeah Yeah. Um, but we played in inside in this small little corner our drummer was wearing a I'm like, what is it? Oh, he what had kind of gloves. Were, like, baseball golfing gloves? gloves. Golfing no, yeah, gloves.
1: You're for golfing, golfing. Like, <laughs> or you know,
2: <laughs>
4: he was in gloves, <laughs> and he hadn't played that long ever in his life. But it was like a four-hour gig that we had to <laughs> oh, play. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. He used to do that, and, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, you got to put in your time, when you do that made us better musicians, and definitely. Um, we definitely love the fact now that we we get to mostly play hour or less sets of all original music rather than you know three hours of covers yeah three and a half hours of covers <laughs> originals thrown in so we got free food <laughs> yeah oh that's, that a, always, plus. that's always a plus
0: <laughs> <laughs> was the food good oh yeah
1: oh yeah you know i love ribs obviously yes. i don't, obviously, I don't remember because i thought it was italian
0: so <laughs> <laughs> I, to, you know to think of the name you'd think it was an italian restaurant i guess yeah. when um <laughs> uh what you know what were some like you know growing up you know what made you guys want to just you know get interested in being musicians anyway you know what was those first thoughts about hey i want to like pick up a guitar do the drums or whatever you know what were those first thoughts
1: um i mean for me anyway my my mom is a band teacher and a music teacher has been my whole life so okay. i was always surrounded by Musical instruments, and you know, she's a flute player. So there was always somebody playing something in my house. And my brother, my little brother, actually picked up guitar before I did, um, but he gave up on it. He's kind of got—I don't want to say stubby fingers. You know, <laughs> that sounds me. That sounds older brotherish. But I mean, you know, he actually. So he went to school. I stayed home sick one day, and um, just snuck into his room and grabbed his guitar and played it all day. And I think by the time he came home, I had figured out, I couldn't play it right, but I'd figured out at least the chords to stay with Heaven. Okay. And he was mad. He was real mad. But that's how I got started playing guitar.
2: And then I moved to bass from there. Um, Which, know, you know, Evan still hops on guitar on some of the stuff we do and absolutely kills it. I No mean, Stairway.
0: <laughs> Stairway denied Yeah <laughs>
2: um, um, Like I, I I started doing music When I was a kid my, my parents had me do like Piano and voice lessons But I did I did a lot of classical music I was in like operas And uh, musical theater Okay And then I met Shane um, Our key player in middle school And uh, I, I was a huge nerd uh, And you know we both were huge nerds, we were huge nerds. and uh, okay. you know, we we started performing together, and it was the first time we got any sort of, both still here. like, yeah, I know we are, <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> uh, first time we got any sort of, I, I think, I, it was the first time I felt accepted into a community or a group, okay. um, you know, was in that, that whole music community, and I found a way to express myself, and something I was passionate about, and I think it was in high school, after talking with uh, my piano teacher, um, and he told me that there's no reason not to go for it. He was telling my parents, he's like, you don't need a degree. You don't need to do anything. If you love music, do music, and you'll figure it out. And yeah. um, I mean, every parent to hear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's a really respected guy, and um, I was very lucky that my parents accepted that, Advice and, and <laughs> your son is terrible in my class. Make him do music. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. And the PE user And the PE
2: But no, it was uh, you know, the, well, it was where my my passion lied, and I wanted to uh, continue pursuing that.
0: Cool, cool. What was uh what was some of the. You know, the first, uh, you know, music shows, ban- concerts, little shows that you guys ever attended?
1: <laughs> uh, when I was in the sixth grade, Huey Lewis and the News played a show yeah. uh, for a company at my house. And my mom got me and my brother up out of bed and drove us down there to see it. And he was god-awful. Yeah. <laughs> <I remember. laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> anymore, but he was still doing it and still loving it. You know. It didn't sound the best, but everybody in the crowd loved it.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I definitely remember that very vividly. Like, uh, Huey Lewis <laughs>
2: in the news. Uh yeah. No, my uh my first concert, my dad took me to see Neil Young, who had no clue who he was at the time. Okay. I was like I was like ten or eleven and it was my first introduction to Weed. <laughs> um, and everybody was lighting up around us and offering it to my dad and he was like no thank you
1: and <laughs>
2: he's about it, but uh i mean i knew what it was but it was the first time i'd been uh essentially hotboxed yeah man. that's a, that's essentially what it was
0: oh basically
2: yeah <laughs>
4: Uh, I guess for mine. Uh, I grew up in the church, and there was an there was actually a Christian band back in the day called uh, Plus One. It was uh, oh. like a boy band, like a Christian boy band. Yeah, yeah. And uh our, yeah, my my parents uh, it took me and my two sisters to that, mm-hmm. and that was I think my first concert experience here locally, actually uh, at the Toyota Center, used to be called the Coliseum.
2: Dude, were they wearing the long black cloaks when they were performing? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. I, yes. yes. <laughs> I was at that too, man. Yes. <laughs> Explicit spot.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, no, it was a good. Show. It wasn't bad, but it was it was cool to see all these people, you know, screaming. And I love that, and I love I love the fact that they had such an impact on all these people, you know, it, all these strangers. I mean, Chase and I were there; we didn't even know each other yet. Yeah. You know? But I mean, they, we were both unified by this. Yeah. So that's just I, I knew that, I knew that I wanted to do that. That I wanted to wear robes on stage. And just watch the number <laughs> twenty three last time. It's
1: kind of like, a so little freaky, you know. You Guys being at the same, oh, time yeah, not
0: knowing each other. Wow,
1: and now you're in the same day, yeah. <laughs> dude. It's like fate, yeah, yeah, yeah. That,
0: that's-, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's crazy. Okay, like since uh, since this band started, you know, you know, has there been any moments during just the whole existence of it where it was like one of those holy shit moments where you're like hey, this this band might actually work out and it's something that we can do for a while. And
1: uh, when they announced us as winners of the Ernie Ball competition, um, that was... I think the, the way that they announced it was really more of an impact than... I don't know, It's the way that they did it, he just got up on stage and he grabbed the mic and just kind of said, well, let's get Night Arjun up here. They're the winners. There was no, like, drum roll. There was no, like... <laughs> Yeah, Thanks. he just went out with it, we almost missed it. I didn't know what was going on for the first like two seconds.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. that was pretty <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say that was that was a big one. Yeah,
2: not so lot.
1: I know it's funny. Good old Brian Ball, man.
2: Yeah, there's been there's been a few uh, a few of those for me. One of the the cooler ones that I I really enjoyed was uh, played on the rooftop um, the Whole Foods oh, at yeah. yeah, South Food, by yeah. Southwest. Okay. And we're sharing the line with uh, ex-ambassadors and uh, zombies. the zombies. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, played on, we played earlier on in the set, and I think we were, like, second. You know, it was, like, yeah. 11 a.m. Oh, yeah, it was really early. And, um, you know, we put our, our heart and soul into it. And the person in charge of the whole, um, that whole rooftop festival um, asked us if we'd be willing to close out the night after the zombies. Which um, you know, the lead singer of the zombies is Rod Argent, with our name being Night Argent. We just thought it was really cool. <laughs> so uh, to be able to hang out there, meet the zombies, and uh, you know, then take the stage after them was a little—I mean, it was a little intimidating and humbling. Yeah, like but that. it was—it was awesome. It was fun, man. It was one of those moments where it's like, you know, you're you're not you're not really thinking about. You know what it means for the future. You're just lost it in right. that moment and enjoying the fact that you're there surrounded by all these. That was a pretty great conditions. day. We
1: got to meet ex ambassadors, yeah. and I missed a set on accident, but I was talking to them for like a solid 10, 15 minutes before I even realized who they were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was a holy shit moment, too.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Sam, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh, my God, I've seen you in a Jeep commercial. Holy shit.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. You know, looking, you know, looking back to, you know, what you guys were doing on your debut EP and not, you know, and seeing what you have done on this new EP, The Fear, you know, what do you feel has changed creatively in the band? You know, what do you feel like you've been able to, you know, progress with on this record?
2: Um, I think, you know, the we've been developing like the, the debut EP uh, was really us trying to find our sound and I think we're, we're playing it pretty safe on that one as far as production and stuff goes and uh, the themes um, and seeing the, the reaction we got to, to who we were as a band because you know definitely that EP represented the direction we were, we were heading allowed us to kind of open up a little more on this one take a couple more chances on Trying a couple things out musically and production-wise. Um, you know, we have the the last track on the the fear is uh, you know six eight ballad, and yeah. um, I think it it allowed us to kind of expand and explore a bit. Um, kind of you branch out a little bit, yeah. yeah. Every time. You want to maintain who you are and your identity as band. That was important to us, um, but you don't want to remain stagnant in one sound or one theme. So our goal is to you know it's it's hard to say that you know one is necessarily better than the other or but it's all growth it's all uh, it's all just developing your sound continuously and never being satisfied staying in one place as a group
0: definitely what do you what do you guys think you were able to you know accomplish as a band thus far to be able to sort of break out of that. Washington State locale and to uh, be you know a part of like these festivals like Warp Tour to be able to play at South by Southwest to be able to play at a uh, gentleman on the road you know wh- what do you feel like you know what what do you think has been successful in this band to be able to be accepted into those realms?
1: I mean it really I think it comes down to our team mm-hmm. I think it comes down to the people we have behind us you know and the fans and everything because a lot of the stuff that we've done has been through, you know, online competitions, people voting, you know, people listening to the music and, and voting on it and stuff like that. And I think without that support, you know, breaking out is pretty hard to do, you yeah. know, if you don't have people behind you like that. And we've got a pretty great team of, like, you know, our management, our publicist, everybody like that is just really great. So.
2: Oh, yeah. No, that's... Uh, that's a huge part of it. And I think uh, our main focus as a group, you know, to hold up our end is making sure that our live show is, you know, top notch, that we uh, bring a bunch of energy so that when they get us those opportunities, we take full advantage of them. You know, that's, I think, what we pride ourselves on the most is our uh, our live show Great. and what we, we bring to the stage.
0: Right. Let's talk about the live show for a minute, you know. Like, you know, what, what is a, you know, a Night Argent live live show like, you know, and is there, has there been any bands that you kind of looked up towards to, to like, you know, like let's be more like that band, like, or I like that energy of that band, you know, you know, what's sort of the mixing pot that you put together for a Night Argent, uh, you know, like show? Well, One of the things that I, uh, I like
2: to reiterate to people is even though like, our, our music could be uh, classified as alternative pop or alternative rock. We put on a rock show. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we try to bring that different level of energy uh, to the show than we do on the album. Um, we program our own lights. We've wired up and built our own lights. Um, you know, we, uh, we write uh, pieces of music outside of what's actually on the CD to give a whole new experience to that live show um and i think as far as influences go i mean all of us have very different influences but yeah like for me um you know as a vocalist one of the the live performers i look up to the most is uh paul meaney of mute math oh, yeah. just an insane performer and mm-hmm. musically they they do things that not a lot of bands are doing
0: right. Great, great great the... yeah that's a Let's talk about the uh the new EP uh some more uh right now. Um, you know, there's six songs on it. Um I really enjoy it. Let's kind of uh, you know, break down some of the songs on there. Like uh the first you know, the first song on there, Mannequin. I really love this joint. You know, what you know what you got anything to say about this record?
2: Yeah, I mean uh so this is the one we worked on with uh Steven Solomon. Um and you know, this was uh, a track that, you know, we we did in in one day, and I think as soon as we finished the demo version of it, you know, all of us were uh, pretty solid on oh, it yeah. being on the record and being one of our favorite tracks. Um, you know, it, as far as performing it live, I think that's when the, the songs were were most excited to start, you know, incorporating the set a lot more. Uh, off the last EP, Kamikaze was the kind of go-to power ballad that we you know, we really enjoyed playing. I think this yeah. adds to that.
0: Right. The next, yeah, the next song on there is Dreamcatcher. I love this record. I love this song. It's probably my favorite on the EP. You know, uh, what's, uh, you know, what's the story behind that song? Uh,
4: that was actually one that we, uh, we wrote with uh, Feldy, down right. in LA. And that, it was, it was cool. It was the, the song that, you know, he, he'd start uh, a bunch of different ideas. The guy, he was, he was so fast paced, but he, he was so able to hop between different ideas like in an instant. Like, like I, there were times I had no idea where he was at, like what he was talking he's about. Never off. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's just, always going. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing. Brain goes, you know, 200 miles per hour at all times. But this is one when, um, like, uh, I, I remember he uh, he said, "All right, guys, I, I have an idea. Every, everybody out of the room. Everybody out of the room, and he kicked everyone out of the room like instantly, except for his engineer." And they were in there for a few minutes and then he's like, All right, come back in and then they showed us a and it went from like this scratch idea to like this massive, you know, like like beginning of a rock song yeah. in, in, in less than ten minutes. And I, <laughs> I was blown so I was like once once we heard the idea for it, for me at least, I was like, I love this. This is gonna be one of the singles off the new J yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I knew right
1: away it was gonna be one of the singles,
0: definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's an incredible it's not- it's an incredible song. But it- uh, what about, uh, um, heartbeat?
2: So that, that's another one that we started with, uh, working on with Feldy. Um, it actually started out with a different name. Um, but you know, as we were going through production, we, uh, um, you know, we continued writing the, the chorus and, um, know yeah, that was one of the ones we were unsure of. I think at first, yeah. uh, it was a little, little different for us. Um, but after spending some time playing with it uh, in our studio and playing with it live, uh, we really start to you know, start to wrap our heads around it and make it our own. Um, you know, so that that one was uh, you know, probably the the final one, the one that we, you know, placed onto the EP last in our heads.
1: Right.
0: Great. All right. What about the, the, the title track for the EP, of The Fear?
2: Uh, that's the last song we wrote for the EP. Um, that was, uh, you know, we had a, uh, you know, we had go- gone through some things as a band, and um, you know, we're figuring some stuff out. And the inspiration for that song came from that. And uh, um, you know, the the message behind Dreamcatcher is very similar to the fear, um, this idea of not not letting, uh, you know, not letting this fear stop you from. Achieving what you want, you know don't let that um, what, what, what was what was the uh the concept um that John and I talked about not letting the negativity um stop you from moving forward you know if you have people around you doubting you and
1: don't listen to the haters
2: yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah um you know and that's the fear just kind of tied up the the e p uh you know thematically and it, it wrapped all the songs together as a whole.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a good message, good message. What's, uh, you know, Immortalized?
1: Oh, that's one that we've been playing for a couple of years now. Yeah. That song has been in our live shows for a long time and has changed over the years uh, because <laughs> of our live shows. Um, you know, we, we write a song sometimes, well, pretty much all the time in this band, you know, we play it a lot before we ever really get, like, a recorded version down sometimes, and so you know we'll we'll find things that people love in the audience, and and we'll you know incorporate that into the studio version, um, and that's happened a lot with Immortalized. But
2: that song, Chase wrote that about his wife, I think. Um, right. Well, yeah, actually, uh, one of my my kids. Um, just that the the whole concept of um, you know. I mean, family in general of how, you know, no matter what happens, you know, my, uh, my dad lost one of his, his, well, his firstborn son mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, his kid was seven and his dad, he lost a lot of people. And, you know, as a songwriter musician, you you don't only draw from your own experiences, you draw from the experiences of those around you. And uh, while writing immortalized, um, you know, I, You know, I had, I had just had a kid and I tried to put myself and try to wrap my head around what that must feel like and how you, how you deal with something like that, how you deal with such a great loss and losing such a big part of you. And uh, that's what Immortalized uh, came from. Just this idea of, you know, my dad talks about, even though, you know, these people in his life aren't here anymore, they're still a part of them and he, you know, they'll, they'll be with him forever. Um, you know, it's, uh, that, so that song, you know, it was, it was written a few years ago and, uh, it, it just didn't, I don't think it really felt like it was in the right place on the first EP. And when we put it with the rest of the songs on this one, it just felt right. Click.
0: Yeah. How, you know, uh, how did your dad react to that song when you, when you first heard it?
2: Um, I honestly, it was so long ago, I don't remember, uh, but no, he's always, uh, you know, he's, he's always been really supportive. Incredibly supportive. And, um, you know, there's, I'm, I'm heavily influenced by my dad. He's always been, uh, one of my biggest heroes and a lot of my mentality and mindset goes into my writing. And a lot of that was, you know, shaped by him over the years, uh, the whole concept of, Overcoming the fear was something that he hammered into my head all throughout high school of not letting fear stop you from going after your your goals. Um, so, uh, you know, he's always been really appreciative of uh, the fact that I, you know, when you have kids, they don't always listen to you. <laughs> and the fact that I have absorbed some of his uh, messages that he's tried to hammer home to me, I think is something he really appreciates.
0: awesome. Awesome all right the final uh song on the ep dream of the ocean
1: mm-hmm. that song is really kind of i mean we wrote it all together you know everybody kind of chipped in for that one um the lyrics on that one i think at least for me are pretty meaningful it's it's almost like a love song to our hometown yeah really um you know, we talk about Juniper Dunes, somewhere there in the bridge. That's actually an area right outside town. Um, top of the world, that's another area right there in, in Kennewick, you know. Um, it really, I think it's just us, as we're growing as a band, you know, and, and hopefully seeing more success, fingers
0: crossed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, making sure that we we still know where we came from, you know. Remember where you're from, your roots.
0: Yeah, definitely. I forgot to ask you guys this earlier on, but how how old is everybody in the band?
2: So Zach, who's not here, is the same age as you, right? Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a couple months older than me, but he's 24. Yeah, so, uh, him and Evan are 24. Shane and I are both 31.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Cool. 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 Yeah. Now that that this uh. That this a uh, this uh, new EP is out, and you kind of have a little uh, space from it, from uh, finishing it out. You know, what's your kind of thoughts looking back at the fear about what you've been able to accomplish on it?
2: Um, you know, honestly, uh, our, you know, we're uh, we're still at the point where you know we haven't had a chance to tour behind this record, so we're excited to, to wear the hell out of these songs and then get <laughs> sick of them. Yeah. um you know that's the best part yeah <laughs> we look forward to hating these yeah. songs is where we're at um you know it's it's kind of weird when you're when you're so wrapped up in the creation of the songs and you're such a big part of you know because we're there it's not like we we send these off to someone and then they get produced produced and finalized we're like throughout the mixing process we're there for every part so it's hard for us to listen to it objectively um but i i still haven't even since it's been out, I haven't sat down to listen to the record. Um, All the way through? You haven't. Yeah, I, I'm probably going to wait another year. Just, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, I can't... I want to give my ears a fresh listen to it after we've played it live for a long time. Because as we play it live, it changes. You know, the more we play it live, it changes. We we make adjustments. So it'll be interesting to see the difference of how we picture the song being in our live show a year from right. now to what the recording was.
0: Right. What's, uh, what's next for the band?
2: Well, uh, we're, we're in the process of, uh, working on, uh, getting a, a tour going. Uh, you know, we're, uh, working on, um, you know, figuring out, you know, who we want to work with as a a booking agent and, um, we're writing, uh, you know, that's any time that we're not on the road touring or, you know, probably we play, uh, we're playing Seattle this Wednesday and, um, you know, we've been, prior to that, been just doing some new writing and we're, oh yeah, we're playing uh, uh, Spokane's uh, very first large-scale music festival, the uh Festival, um, next month. So in between these different shows, uh, we're writing as much as we can and continuing to develop. You know, because throughout the writing process, you know, if we start writing now, we'll have a record to release next year. <laughs> right. What? Uh, a long finish.
0: Yeah. You guys were on the warp Tour last year, right? right? Yes. Cool. So, okay, sure. okay. So you were. Uh, so you guys were also on the tour with uh, Young Guns, also, right?
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Man,
0: I would love to see a Young Guns Night Argent tour like that. I was thinking about that while I was listening to the C- EP. A Night Argent Young Guns good. tour oh, would pretty. be awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: We'll, we'll pass that on to our manager and uh, tell him to make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> maybe
0: that would be like a dope, like, uh, like, UK tour for you guys. Young Guns, oh, yeah. Night Argent. Uh, I had another uh, band in mind, too, to, to, to put in that uh, package, but I forgot what it was. But I know it was like you two, like, Young Guns, Night Argent. That would be an awesome UK tour.
2: Well oh, I I thought you were saying U two the band Night <laughs> oh, you know, oh, r yeah. Young U two opening up uh,
0: opening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh no no I just meant U two uh bands but uh hey shit you guys could play stadiums.
2: Hey man, well you, you text us once you figure out that third band, <laughs> you got our number and uh, you know we'll we'll do it happen.
0: Cool. Uh we just
2: love playing. <laughs>
0: definitely all right um yeah it's been great talking with you guys what um if anybody wants to check out Night argent online where can they go and check you guys out
2: uh, they can go to our website nightargentofficial.com we have links to our social media on there but if you go to like Twitter uh, Instagram uh, Facebook just type in night argent search for us and you'll find us where the guys wearing all black. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: right 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 <laughs> all right man it's been great talking with you guys good luck on everything hopefully you guys get some good touring coming up soon and you know good luck on the new record
1: thank, thank you sure. very much it. great
0: talking to you oh uh, definitely definitely you guys have a good day
1: yeah you, you too, too man, man.
0: bye bye later so that was my interview with night argent go uh pick up that new ep the fear came out this, July, this past July, via Outer Loop Records. It's really dope. And now, on to the Fresh is the Word discussion portion of the show. And like always, I'm joined by my co host, pro wrestling, boxing, and MMA connoisseur, Detroit hip hop artist, and proud Marine V Styles. What up, though?
3: Hi. Uh, what's up, Kelly? How you doing, man?
0: Same old, same man. Finally. uh... All right. We we finally got past it. We got past the 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 fight of the century, the the big spectacle, Mayweather and McGregor. <laughs> it's finally come and gone. Yeah, we did.
3: Yeah, we did. And how sweet it is.
0: Right. And when it comes down to it, you know, I uh, wasn't a bad, It was pretty pretty much a fun fight. You know, uh, I lasted ten rounds. I uh, ended up being a a TKO in Mayweather's favor, favor Um not not too big of a shock but you know uh it's pretty much uh you know everything that you uh kind of planned out you know maybe a couple uh yeah, couple uh, rounds longer but it's pretty much you yeah. know yeah. what you uh uh you know expected from it you know you know kind of you know kind of lay everything out for you know what happened in this fight and you know kind of in comparison to what you uh, said before and what actually happened
3: all right you got it um, I didn't realize that, you know, it took a couple rounds for me to, to sit back and, like, see what he was doing. Um, I thought this was going to be uh, two fighters trying to counter each other. And what Floyd actually did was he used one of the oldest tricks in the books, especially when you're talking about boxing. You know, uh, it's you know, we talk about one of the oldest tricks in the is you sparring and you, you you're coming toward a person with your guard high. Um, typical fighters wouldn't. I mean, a, a person that's not seasoned wouldn't recognize that a person is just letting them try to blow their wide. And what I mean by that is, if I'm coming toward you and I'm throwing my all at you. You know, after a while, two things going to happen. One, your shots are not going to be effective, you know, because you know, if, those, if those shots meant anything as far as the, the, the punches he was throwing at Floyd, if they, you know, w- was fired like that, Floyd would have never continued to come forward. So essentially what Floyd was saying is your power ain't shit coming toward him, you know, for all 10 rounds. Right. Um, Floyd took his shots, kind of like tired him out a little bit and strategically started landing, landing shots that were going to affect them towards the end of the fight. Um, Floyd didn't use a jab the entire night. I think that's the, one of the more amazing things about this fight. Floyd uses a jab most of the time in, in his fight. And instead of using a lead jab, all he threw was, you know, over the top right, over the top left. Yeah. Throwing all power shots. Not once did he throw a jab. So. I'm sitting there here like, why is he, you know, coming forward? I'm like, oh wow, man, I get it now. You know, I get, I get what he's doing. You know, he drained him out. You know, uh, of, you know, his his cardio was pathetic, like it normally is. So, you know, Floyd, you know, understood. You know, take this dude to the deep waters, let him punch himself out, and then I, I, I'll knock him out later. And that's exactly. How it played out. Now, since Saturday, I've looked at this fight probably 15 times, and after giving Conor credit, I gotta get, I gotta take that credit back. <laughs> um, uh, simply because um, Conor fans are, are are idiots, and what I mean by that is, you know, they. You know, O'Connor landed 100 punches, 111 punches. That's more than anybody ever, you know, fully Pac-Man, blah, 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 blah. Okay, those chops, those illegal chops, uh, the pity pat punches that you would throw on. I mean, I won't front. He you, you did land a couple, you know, I mean, he landed the uppercut. He he landed a couple shots, but believe me, if you throw on 111 punches, and you're getting paid $100 million plus when everything is said and done, you're supposed to land something. What's disrespectful is you got, you know, Conor's fans don't realize that Floyd came toward him the whole fight. And, you know, you know I had somebody today say, man, you know, your boy, uh, you know, I don't respect him. Conor landed this, that, and I was like, his percentage was only – 26 20 for seven throughout the whole fight if it's if, if this landing percentage is 26 27 you know the entire fight you know right. floyd's shit was 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 plus 50 and throwing power shots yeah. so that means he made his shots count Floyd didn't respect that man power and i was like oh yeah keep on throwing come on come on keep on throwing you know you, we when we were sitting up here watching this fight we we were looking at connor at the end of the third round and we were looking at him like oh yeah you can see that he's gassed so it was only a it was only a matter of time before the inevitable um connor got completely outclassed um like i said it's hard for me to give him credit when your shots like what happened to that big left hand that that they was going to put on floyd what what happened to i'm going to knock him out within one or two rounds what 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 happened to anything that you said that you were going to employ you know you know strategic wise against floyd mayweather we didn't see anything on conor mcgregor's behalf to the blind fan who don't understand boxing what he was doing was just great and me i'm just looking like wow those illegal shots Okay, those those shots are not effective. Okay. Um, yeah, is he outworking Floyd the first round? Um, oh yeah, he is. But that was part of the plan. And if right. anybody don't see that, I don't understand how you don't see Floyd Mayweather, a man that never generally comes forward. He usually fights off his back foot and waiting on you to make a move to counter your move. He didn't do that this fight. You know, he didn't respect that man power, so he kept coming forward, wore him out, and, and you know, I was off uh, by two rounds. You know, normally Floyd takes, you know, a minute and a half of the first round to figure you out. Well, with Wakanda not really having any footage except MMA footage. They almost had to, like, guesstimate what he was going to do, and you could just see – You could just see what they were doing, what they were trying to employ, man. And after a while, those one or two shots to the body turned into three or four shots to the body, you know, take out the body, then take out the head. And that's just exactly, that's how it worked out. So um, I give him credit and salute to him on getting this money. That's the big thing. But as far as being impressed, no, I can't give you any credit. You know, Connors fans think that he's Floyd. oh, you went 10 rounds of one of the greatest of all the time. Because Floyd let him go 10 rounds. Now, he's getting the ring with Canelo or Triple G. Them dudes are killers. They would have tried to knock his head off the second and third round. So, you know, he should be grateful that he got what he got. And uh, I honestly believe this is the highest he can go in his career, as far as when you talk about achievements. Um, I really believe that we're we're about to see the downfall of Conor McGregor in a minute, especially uh, if he fight Nate Diaz in this trilogy fight coming up soon.
0: Right, and with in the way the, that Mayweather was going about this fight, he didn't really uh, kind of, you know, expand any sort of uh, you know real energy. And he, he didn't he didn't you know lose he didn't lose any sort of uh you know energy during the fight you know he kind of kept it for the uh later rounds to where you know when he was building yeah. up he didn't gas out and he he purposely didn't gas himself out
3: yeah it was a it was to me it was a beautiful game plan and um you know it was other than walking him down it's it's like i didn't even expect him to walk him down like that but you know that's tiring him out a different way. Yeah, he wasn't know? even so, uh, he
0: wasn't even like dancing around like he did in other fights. He walked him around and let Connor sort mm-hmm. of, you know, you know, you know, expound all that energy, uh, you know, throwing punches and whatnot. And he, you know, he knew he could take those, you know, punches because he not because not really still not used to being a boxer, and throwing in throwing those, you know, and relying just on punches in a fight.
3: Yeah, totally agree. Um, you know, kind of got the Willie Walker ticket, though, so you got to give him props on that. Right. Um, um I give him props on that, but anything else is like, dude, you know, if Floyd really wanted to, you know, you could have been, you know, power-wise, he's not Triple G or Canelo, but he could have found another way. I mean, Floyd employed a game plan. It worked. It, it worked to perfection. But there were other ways Connor um, could have got it. His footwork is not as bad. Uh, he doesn't have traditional boxing footwork, and it's not as bad as I thought coming from the offensive end. But defensively, his feet is horrible. Just like you know how to fight forward, you got to know how to fight backwards, and that's one thing Connor couldn't do. Right? Connor can't couldn't couldn't fight backwards, and fighting backwards. You know, especially when you're inexperienced like that, you know, you're going to burn a lot of juice, and that's just what happens. So, you know, salute to him on that end, but other than that, you know, you, you, you don't get no pops from me. His fans are are delusional. At <laughs> best. Yeah, man,
0: the, fan, him, the and, fans. him and Manny
3: Pacquiao, Yeah, him and, him and Manny Pacquiao got the craziest fans. They <laughs> they are loyal, loyal and delusional at the same damn time.
0: Okay, was there was there anything mm-hmm. about Connor's performance that was a positive or better than you thought? Um.
3: Wow, that's a good question. Cause <laughs> no, nah, not really. Initially, I was like, you remember? I was like, wow, I got to give him credit. But then I looked at the fight. And I'm like, wow. Okay, they're giving him credit for hitting gloves, hitting little pity pats on the arm. Like, none of that shit was, like, impressive. Um, I mean, he landed a, His head movement was impressive. Um, his, you know, he throws awkward punches. I mean, he he's not as bad as I thought he was, boxing-wise. But... Truthfully, I think he should stay in his sport. Right. Um, Focus on what's going on in mixed martial arts because I honestly believe similar to Ronda Rousey, you you, you know, when you're a fighter that's been protected, when you're a fighter that have only really fought certain type fighters, and I was talking about in in, in mixed martial arts, when you're a fighter that, you know, I like Dustin Poirier, but – you know, you beat Dustin Poirier. You beat, you know, uh, I mean, you beat a couple dudes. You beat Dennis Siver. You beat, you know, you ain't really he ain't really fought no no monsters, you know. And I don't want to include the Chad Mendez I don't want to include Chad Mendes. The Chad Mendez only had a couple weeks to prepare for that fight. So you're not got a dude that. Only had a couple weeks to prepare for you, and you lost to a dude that has seven days to prepare for you. See it's smoking there is with Connor. Don't get me wrong. Right. The the, the left hand is all great and you know, you you see the shit that he does, man, but he's also been protected from fighting people that will possibly put him on his back. And I say the most impressive thing he's done, Nick's martial art wise, something that I I just I like I can't find any wrongs on. It's him knocking out Jose Aldo. I mean you can't front that he knocked him out in twelve seconds.
0: Right.
3: Uh, that's that's a pretty amazing feat. Um but other than Jose Aldo, um I can't say that it's like, wow man, you you know, you, you beat a murderer's row. You know what I mean? You, you you haven't beat dudes that you ain't beat no killers. Um I think if he could successfully defend his belt against um, Khabib, if he could, you know, I think I think uh, Tony Ferguson could uh, could get with Connor. I think it's a lot of fighters in a in the lightweight division that can get with Connor. Oh yeah, he knocked out Eddie Alvarez too, but um, you know. I want to say that's impressive, but then again, if you're a fan of Eddie Alvarez, you know what you're going to get in in his fight. So I can't say that I'm really impressed by that. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I think Conor still has to prove himself MMA-wise, even though he's really the face of MMA right now. He's kind of, UFC kind of have treated him like they treated Ronda Rousey in the past. You know, it's all smoke and mirrors. So we go, we going to see what Conor got going on. You know, I don't want to sound like I'm hating on Conor because it's not, <laughs> but I just understand the game and I see what it is, you know. Um, right. His next fight, you know, is not going to be, I mean, it's either going to be Nate, Khabib, or the winner of Tony Ferguson, um, Kevin Lee fight. And speaking of which, I think you might know where I'm about to go here. <laughs> Um, I, I say, I say on this, on, on the podcast all the time, Kevin Lee is a dude that I, I really truly want to like. Um, you know, he, he, he reps the D strong. I will say that he right. he reps it. But when I look at, you know, where he's from, where he was born, where he went to school at. Um, Southfield is not Detroit. Grand, Rap- Grand Rapids is not Detroit. Um, how are you the Motown phenom? When you know, let's say you were raised in Detroit, but generally, if you raised in Detroit, you went to high school in Detroit. And I mean, you know, I'm I was born in Detroit. Um, I grew up partially, you know, in Inkster because that's where all my family is from, but I'm from Detroit. I went to high school in Detroit. Um, I rep Inkster, but I will never rep Inkster before I rep Detroit. Right. Cause I am a detroit Um, that's what I am born up, born, born in these, in these neighborhoods, you know, born at, at, at Um, being in East Detroit, I mean, it, this is where I'm from. So I, I guess the thing that I have a problem with is, how are you the Motown female when <laughs> his, history doesn't say that you're from Motown? You know, and it might sound like this, this, but it's not. It's Yo. like, wow, man. You know, I didn't realize. Yeah, You know, just... and again, I've ta- I've talked about I I, I want to like Kevin Lee, but I he's think just, he's that's, just really thing, himself, that's just part of his he thing, man. That's just part of the thing, He's just very like
0: he just very that's just part of his thing, man. He's just very extra about everything. Uh he I remember Dude, like after pink, like his <laughs> suits. No, like after after the whole John Jones uh Usada thing came out, he he said something like, um, if I was in DC's uh shoes, I would put a hit out on uh John Jones or some shit like that. So he's... look when I, when I when I look look whenever
3: I look at him I be like damn I don't know nobody from Adidas like that like it's almost like Kevin Lee meets the Migos how he dressed and stuff like that <laughs> I don't know no dudes that like, see and again I don't want to come off negative or whatever right. but I I, I don't because uh, you know generally you know shit I can remember when he first got to the UFC. And, I, you know, I I hit him on Twitter every now and then. You know, I don't know him, but I've talked to him a couple times on social media. Right. And, and you know, you want to root for the guy that's either from Detroit or repping, repping a D. But I can remember, like, man, you need to, you know, if you're out in Vegas, man, you should go, you know, if you're going to be at the Mayweathers. Go holler at my man Jeff. And he kind of, like, laughed at me. And it's funny now that I see him years later. You know, at Mayweather's gym, you know, around Jeff and a couple of other people. It's like, wow, dude, he's trying to – he a young dude trying to find his way. Right. But he is super extra, man. So um, <laughs> I just really think Tony Ferguson, you know, I think uh, I think Tony Ferguson, you know, got a good chance of winning that fight, man. Um, I, I believe Kevin Lee talked to himself into this fight, you know, and by process of elimination, he's the one that got it. Because, you know, you look at Khabib's situation, he wasn't ready. So, um, you know, good for him. I guess good for him. But you're only as good as your competition. And I just think, uh, you know, Tony Ferguson is, is, is nice, man. It's nice. And I don't know... I don't know if his level is on the same level as a Khabib or somebody like that. So, right. you know, um, good for Kevin Lee. Let's see if he can take advantage of this shot. But I still don't know nobody from Detroit like that. You know, <laughs> that's, that, that's my whole point of even saying that. I don't know nobody from the D that, that's even like that.
0: Uh, okay, kind of um, going back to, uh, to Conor McGregor. His his last UFC fight was last November for uh, UFC 205 when he uh, knocked out uh, Eddie Alvarez to uh, mm-hmm. to win to win his second belt, um, mm-hmm. and you know and before that he had the two uh, uh, Nate Diaz fights where arguably he lost both of them but he's officially won mm-hmm. on those. Like when you just see when you just see the whole landscape of of the UFC, whether it be, um, um, that division or just the money fights with, uh, you know, Nate Diaz, if we, if we do this trilogy, which pro- is probably the smartest money wise to, to do. Next. Oh, they better do it. Like look, they better do that. They better do that trilogy and it better
3: be done at the biggest card of the year. Um, the New Year's Eve card or the yeah. the, the year end card, you know, yes. the one they do every year in Vegas, the one Brock Lesnar usually on. They they better, you know, they want to diversify their funds. They better use kind of for that fight. So go but, ahead, I'm sorry, bro.
0: Yeah, but yeah, when you kind of look at the the, the sort of the grand scheme of everything, like how how men how how many of these fighters do you think? could give, at this point in time, give Conor McGregor a run and actually, you know, have a chance of beating him at this point?
3: And in, in, uh, in the UFC?
0: Yes. Shit, it could be, um, Tony Ferguson.
3: Um, I don't think he's better than those two. I don't think he's better than Nate Diaz. Um, um, shit, let me, hold on a second here. I mean, him and Kevin Lee would honestly be a good matchup. And I, I would honestly, well, I don't know, Conor left-hand is a monster. I can't front on that. It would be, I I think him and Kevin Lee would have a real exciting fight. I couldn't pick a winner in those two. I think that's a toss-up. But but if you talk about Khabib and, and fucking Conor, oh, man. Khabib will rag rag down him all day. <laughs> um if you t- if you're talking about Tony Ferguson, I think to- I'm I think Tony Ferguson is a is a fucking monster. And I don't think he wants those problems, man. Uh with somebody like Tony Ferguson to take his shot and keep it moving. Keep coming right on in like yeah, okay, let's go. Um I think Edson Barbosa these days would give him a problem. Like it's a, it's a couple people that would get Connor problems in that. Said, and let's not let's not forget about the dude that beat him outside of the UFC. That would be another interesting matchup if they ever uh, if Connor goes on this this mystic win streak. <laughs> UFC might say, hey, you know what? Let's put him against Irish Joe Duffy. Joe Duffy has a victory against him. Yeah. So that would. That would be interesting, as far as from a a a, a Irishman, you know, uh, when you're talking about people that have history with each other. Now they easily can promote that, but I don't think he's going to get past Tony Ferguson or Khabib. I just think, or, or Nate Diaz. I just think uh, Connor has just reached his apex, and you know, Styles make fights. And if he don't land that that that, that big left hand, it's gonna be trouble. It's gonna be trouble.
0: Cool. Yeah. What What do you? Okay. I'm just gonna throw a name out here because I'm looking at the rankings right now for the lightweight division. What about the What about the the newbie for uh, UFC, Justin Gaethje? Um,
3: Gaethje a beast, man. But see, the problem with Gaethje is Gaethje will stand right in front of him and throw shots. Um, I think Conor would, I mean, don't get me wrong, no diss to Gaethje at all, um, but I think Connor would, would eventually knock this dude out. You know, um, and I like Gaethje, and Gaethje don't know how to lose. But I just think Styles make fights, and you can sit there and try to throw bombs with Connor if you want to, but if he lands that left, you know, you're going to go down. You know, so only certain fi- only certain fighters can absorb shit like that. And Gaethje almost got taken out his last fight. That was a hell of a fight with with him and um, Michael uh, Michael Johnson. Hell of a fight.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, you know, uh, former World Series of, of Fighting champion. You know, or Gaethje or I, 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 you know, I like that dude, but I don't know if that. I, I don't know. You know with him standing in front of Connor if that translates to a victory for him.
0: Yeah, Gigi's a little reckless, I would say. He he wants to go in there and kill
3: Super. people. <laughs> Super. Super. <laughs> Super reckless dude. And Super and, and, and you can do that you can do that against a dude that's not experienced, man, but that's what Connor want. Connor waiting on you to throw so he could just he could just counter. I mean Con Connor, you know, again not to hate he showed me a few things but you know, I was more impressed with the way he moved his head, avoiding a couple Floyd shots, man. But you know, um, yeah, I just don't. it style make fights. I, I think, I think he would get, get you right now.
0: Right, right, right. And before we close out this, uh, you know, this week's segment of the podcast, uh, if the if the next fight for Conor McGregor is Nate Diaz, if to close out this trilogy. You know, what do you think Conor needs to do at this point to get ready for this fight and to be able to defeat Nate Diaz in a spectacular manner?
3: He needs to knock Nate out. Um, I still don't see how they gave him the last fight against Nate. I think Nate was the aggressor the entire fight. Yeah. Um... McGregor had his moments. You know, he got hit in with a couple shots. Um, But uh, the key to beating McGregor is, you know, I'm not going to say Floyd gave the blueprint, but, you know, Nate wrote the blueprint. Floyd kind of followed it. The key to beating Conor is cardio. Um, Conor's the type of fighter that has the conserve you know he throw heavy shots, but he gotta conserve. Um, even he said it. He reaches certain passes in the fight to where fatigue sets in, and there's nothing that he really could do about it except fight through it. Um, Paulina Molinazzi made a comment that he's a quitter, and what he meant by that is when the going get rough, he quits. And I would agree one hundred percent with Paulie Malignaggi on that because if you go back to the first Nate Diaz fight, um, you know, although he tapped out, the tap out is not what started it all. It was a punch from Nate. It was punches from Nate Diaz that he got tired of taking. And if you even look look at the Floyd fight, when Floyd started to pop T off on him, yeah. You you will see you will see him run to him and grab him, right? And and in the instance of the May Diaz fight, you will see him shoot for the legs. And we when somebody like Conor who throws shoot for the legs, what he's essentially saying is, I don't like getting hit in the face like that. <laughs> so, right. um, I just think May Diaz right now, if he wants that lightweight title now is the perfect time to go get it because Connor, you know, he hasn't switched his game up. And cardio is something you just can't get overnight. He's the same fighter. Now you need somebody to get in there with him, last with him, land, land some shots, and take him, take him to deep waters. Connor's is not a deep water fighter, especially if you got – like. I can see Tony Ferguson just dismantling him. Like, Tony Ferguson loves coming forward. Yeah. he going to take your shots and, and, and give. Like, that's a, the that's a match. I can see, like, him and Khabib would be interesting because, you know, he's going to be trying to land that, that bomb on Khabib. And we, we want to know if Khabib is he going to be able to get inside to just touch him a little bit. <laughs> right. And what I mean by touching. Not what I mean by touching is not throwing hands. Khabib needs to grab him, and if Khabib grabs him, is I don't care what Connor does, he's gonna get ragged out, man. You're not gonna fuck with a dude that grew up wrestling bears his whole fucking life. You, you just, <laughs> you know, you know. I'm still a firm believer that Khabib and Tony Ferguson are, are the top two dudes. Um, Kevin Lee is. You know, well, see, you can't forget about Eddie, Eddie Alvarez or Geechee. You know, they they're there. Or Barbosa. Top five. He's. i I'd probably say he's number five.
0: Or what about Barbosa?
3: Oh, as, see, he's you know, he's a monster too. But it's it's up and down with with Barbosa. But I think Barbosa is on point now, man. I mean, he's. I think he's weathered the storm. He's one of those fighters that has gotten better with losses. So I yeah. think I think he would get Connor, you know, problem. There are a couple fighters that, that in the lightweight division that would get Connor some problems, man. And, but I don't – cardio is the key to beating Conor McGregor. And um, like I said, the blueprint has already been wrote. Who's going to follow it and go get that title? That's what I'm curious. That's what I'm curious about. You know, Nate got an excellent opportunity to finally – be that Diaz brother to become UFC lightweight champion. So, um, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to the to the uh, end of the year to possibly see this matchup. And, um, you know, if we don't see that matchup, maybe we'll see a Tony, Fer- Tony Ferguson, or maybe we'll see a Khabib matchup. Um, you know, um, Conor's not gonna hold that belt. You know, um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. How do you get motivated When you just got over $100 million for a fight, when you're going back down to the numbers that you're about to go back down with UFC. Right. You know, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, he should enjoy life right now because life will be changing. I'll say by the end of the year, we're going to have a new lightweight champion.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right, that's about it for this week's uh, edition of Fresh of the Word. Um, I will be taking a bit of a hiatus after this episode maybe for a month or two we'll be back soon just to refresh the word so to speak but uh v styles tell me that she can uh, find you online
3: you hit me at twitter.com forward slash v styles that's v-s-t-y-l-e-z same thing with my instagram forward slash V S T Y L E Z. Uh, hit me up on my facebook page Official V-Styles, forward slash, official V-Styles, V-S-T-Y-L-E-Z. And, uh, yeah, hit your man up, man. Follow my Spotify page, too, if you're into music, man. V-Styles, forward slash, V-S-T-Y-L-E-Z, man. Look out for the new album, Thorn Melon, that I'm proud of. Look out for this new video <laughs> called Respect, with me and my man Sky Zoo coming real soon. And, uh, you know, fresh is the word, y'all. We'll be back soon.
0: All right. Thank you. Goodbye and good night.
3: Peace. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.